Well, if you haven't been able to join us uh, during the last few weeks of Advent, we've been in a series of sermons we've entitled The Gifts That Jesus Came to Give Us. And we've looked at the gifts that you can probably guess, joy, peace, um, rest. And today we will experience or explore the gift of love. As I was thinking about this uh, series this week, I, I realized something that I should have realized probably a long time ago, but all these are gifts in the truest sense of a gift. In other words, we can't do anything to buy them. We can't do anything to, to earn them. All we can really do is receive them. Uh, and they are gifts of another kind, really. Uh, the peace that we talked about is a peace that uh, you can't find anywhere else. Uh, Jesus said it, it, it's a peace that passes, or Paul said it, it's a peace that passes understanding. And Christ said it, you know, not as the world gives, but as I give to you, this peace. And this joy is something that we can't manufacture. It's something that Christ just gives us. And same with the rest. And we will certainly see that today as we look at this gift of love. Um, let me read this scripture to you this morning. We'll first look at 1 John 4, and then I also want to read Paul's great definition of love from 1 Corinthians 13. Listen to God's word for us this morning. Dear friends, boy, take these words in, too. These are this amazing passage of scripture, both of them. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. And this is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect fear drives out, perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. And then from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul's great uh, definition of God's love. If I speak in the tongues of men and of, a, of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries, and all knowledge. And if I have a faith that can move mountains, but have not love, 
I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And now these three remain, faith and hope, love, but the greatest of these is love. God, we pray that you would take these beautiful words of scripture and bring them, make them alive for us this morning. May we see a, a little more clearly this really kind of unfathomable love that you have for us. Lord, may we see also how it can make a difference in our lives today, bring healing and life to us. So speak to us now. May our minds and our hearts and our ears be open. In Christ's name, amen. You put your left foot in. You put your left foot out. You put your left foot in and you... You do the... Oh, you guys know this. You're so smart. And you shake it all around. That's what it's all about. Oh, I love that song. You know, I love it. It reminds me of countless trips in the church van. <laughs> when I was a youth pastor traveling to faraway places like Mexico and Yosemite, and we would sing that song uh, ad nauseum. So I love it. But, you know, I love a bumper sticker that I saw once even more. Have you seen this? It's also on T-shirts. It said, what if the hokey pokey is really what it's all about? <laughs> it's a good question. What is it all about? You know, this question isn't just for philosophers and, and theologians. We've all asked that question. Every human alive has asked that question. What, what is it all about? What is life all about? It's, it's one of the great human questions. Perhaps another way, way of saying it is, you know, what really matters in life? What is it all about? Well, I won't venture to say what I think it's all about because it doesn't really matter, but I think what Scripture tells us so clearly over and over and over again, right? What is it all about? It's about love. It's about receiving and giving love. You know, these two uh, Scriptures just made some really strong statements, didn't they? You know, if I, I can, if I have faith to move mountains, 
Say to a mountain, move from here to there, but have not love. And it does it. But if I don't have love, it's nothing. If I give everything to the poor, everything I have, and even die as a martyr, but if I don't have love, I'm nothing. If I have all knowledge, you know, no theology and all the doctrine and even keep all the religious law. But if I don't have love, <laughs> it's, it's nothing. Which tells us a lot about Christianity, actually. It's not so much belief, it's action. But I... Jesus was very clear. He once summarized what was most important to God when he said, you know, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And what? Love your neighbor as yourself. So it's clear to me it's not about the hokey pokey. (laughs) It's about love. It's about receiving, and the order is important. It's about receiving and giving love. We all want love, don't we? We all need it. You know, I've told you we uh, have a golden retriever who's now kind of growing out of the puppy stage. But I've learned a lot from Kobe (laughs) about love. You know what? He knows this truth. He knows what it's all about. (laughs) It's all about love. It's about receiving and giving love. This guy is a sponge for love and affection. He just loves to be loved. To be petted and scratched and hugged and have his belly rubbed. Any kind of attention, he loves it all. It starts first thing in the morning when he wakes up in his crate and barks. And we, of course, go running in and let him out. And he comes to our bed with gifts. Do you know this about golden retrievers? Mother, maybe other dogs do too. He always has a stuffed animal that's pretty worn and kind of gross, but to him it's something very valuable and, and something else. He tries to get two or three in his mouth, jumps up on our bed and gives us these offerings of love. And then he just sits there and wants to receive love. He has become very smart, you know. When we're not showing enough love, he gets his left paw and he tries to hit us. More love, more love, more love, more attention. You know, we're we're a lot like golden retrievers. A little more sophisticated, a little more coy maybe at asking to be loved, but we need love. There's a big hole inside each one of us that wants to be filled with love. You ever wonder where this love comes from? What's the origin? You know, that this need for love, love, the concept of love, is found in every culture. It transcends culture. It's found in in every human. Now, why is that? It's a good argument for the existence of a God. It's because God has created us for love. 
The need to love and be loved, you know what? It's put there in our hearts by God. It's being part of being made in the image of God. For as it says in Scripture, in 1 John, God is love. God defines love. God is the source of all love. Years ago, I read a book entitled Love is a Choice. And it was written by a few psychologists at the Minrith Meyer Clinic. Um, and it's a clinic of, of Christian psychologists. And it was about how to break free from codependent relationships. In that book, the authors talk about this, this hunger that we have for love. And they use an illustration to teach about this that I have just remembered for years and used oftentimes. You'll probably hear it again in a sermon. They say this. They said, in, in every human there is this heart-shaped tank, love tank, they call it. And they, they said, think of the tank as a reservoir of love. And each one of us has this tank. And they are filled to varying levels of love. Some of us, oh, you, you know it when you meet someone, oh, their tank is just full. It's overflowing. Those people have received a lot of love. Others, they can be near empty. Now, how are these tanks filled? You know, they say so much of the love that we have in our tanks come from our parents. We may not receive a lot of love from our parents for some reason or another. Perhaps one or both died when we were very young. Maybe they were incapable of love for some reason. Whatever the reason, well, maybe their love tank was low or empty. Whatever the reason, let's say they didn't do their part in filling your tank. You know, they are one of the primary resources or sources of love. But I would also add that God's plan for us. See, God's plan is for all of us to have a full tank. That's the abundant life. That's the full life. So God's plan is that we receive love from others like spouses and uh, friends and the church, our church family, our brothers and sisters in Christ. And do you see why the scripture in 1 John talks so much about the importance of us loving each other? It's because we can fill each other's tanks and make a difference in each other's lives. Our emotional health, our happiness, the richness of our lives, our ability to be real resilient, and here's what's key, our ability to love others in a healthy way, depends so much on how full our tank is. Now, here's what else, this is what else they say. They say, if our love tanks are low, we will try many different ways to fill them up because that hang hunger for love is God-given. We'll try to fill our tanks. In fact, they say codependency in this book, another word for a low love tank. People are prone to addiction when their love tanks are low. Alcoholism, sex addiction, workaholism, drug addiction, being addicted to achievements or making money. We will try to fill our tanks somehow. 
kind of like that, that old song, looking for love in all the wrong places. Or we will look to other people to fill our tanks. We'll look to friends or, or spouses or our children if we have them. Now, there's some really good news. Really good news regarding all this, and that is what we're talking about today. God's love. God's love can fill our tank like no other because God's love is a perfect love. You know, when I was in seminary, I, I had a class, whole semester, the concept of love. We looked at the history of love. We looked at different ideas about love, looked at God's love. And my professor was a guy named Diogenes Allen. How is that for a professor's name? And this is what he writes, which I think is, is really brilliant. Alone, none of us is complete. The love of another person can give us a quality of life that is marvelous. And the early stages of love promise to give us utter bliss. Do you know that they have found that we cannot, be, we cannot live in that? You know the early stages of romantic love? when you just can't think of anything else except that person. They, psychologists have said, scientists have found out, we can't, we can't live in a state like that, we'll die. <laughs> It'll just wear us out. But those early stages are beautiful, aren't they? But such love cannot give us utter fullness and completeness. To seek from a creature what can only be found in God is forbidden because the search is futile. Only God has unlimited abundance. And as I said earlier, to seek from a creature more than it can give is to lose even the good of which it is capable, which is really insightful. You try to get love, you try to get your kids to fill your love tank, it'll hurt the kids, right? That's what he's saying. Only God's love has the capacity, the abundance, the ability to fill our tanks. And it is here where we land on the main point of my sermon today. So if some reason you kind of drifted off, here it is. <laughs> Jesus Christ came to give us this gift of love. A perfect love that can fill our tanks and make us whole. And this love is the foundation of all the other gifts we've talked about. It's the foundation of the peace that Christ gives us, the joy, the rest, and hope, and presence, and forgiveness. But this is why. It's because it is a love of another kind. You know, it's really interesting when when the writers of the New Testament began to write about the love that was demonstrated by Christ, you know what? They, they couldn't come up with words to describe it, which is, makes sense because love is kind of a mystery, isn't it? It's kind of hard to really put into words, and uh, you can understand why. It's one of those really big things in life. It's kind of mysterious. And the Greeks already had three words for love in their 
wisdom, they said, we can't put it in one word. Let's have three words. So they had phileo, you know, love between friends. Eros, which is romantic or, or passion or sexual love. This is a love that we usually think about when we talk about love. Our culture is obsessed with eros, right? Stories are written about it. Rom-coms are full of eros. But this is a love that satisfies our desires. It is really focused on the beauty of its object. And then there's another love, storge, which is love shared in family, the affection of family members. But when they tried to describe this perfect love of God, it was different. And they couldn't use any of these words. It was different from all the other loves. So they took this, this kind of seldom used, kind of colorless word that was already in the Greek language, agape, and they said, this is the love that Jesus came to give us. So in both scriptures today, when we see the word love in the English, it's not eros, it's not phileo, it's not storge, it's God's love. This perfect love. A love of another kind. It's agape. So when you read in 1 Corinthians, this is what it says, agape is patient and kind. Agape is not self-seeking or proud. It does not boast. It is not easily angered. It keeps no anger or record of wrongs. Agape always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Agape never fails. And then in 1 John, God is agape. Agape was revealed in this way, 1 John says. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him, that we might have life. There is no fear in agape, but agape drives out fear. You see, this perfect love is different because it is not dependent on the beauty of its object. Agape doesn't love a person because of their intelligence or their beauty or their good looks or their wealth or sense of humor or because of what that person may be able to give back. Agape loves even the unlovely, the lost, the broken, the least, and the left out. As it says in the book of Romans, while we were yet sinners, another way of saying that, while we were still broken, while we were lost, while we were rebellious, while we were proud, while maybe we were even haters of God, Christ died for us. This love is completely unconditional. This is why it changed the world. And it did. This is why Christ can command us to love our enemies. You ever thought about that? We don't have to have feelings for them. We just have to put their own good ahead of our own, only. <laughs> That's why Christ can say, love everyone in the church. We don't have warm feelings for everyone in the church, do we? We may not even like them, but we can love them in agape, in this choice love. It's a giving love, a sacrificial love. 
And this is where we perhaps see this perfect love most fully is in giving. It's a giving love. You know, Anne Lamott is a great author. And she wrote of an eight-year-old boy who had a younger sister dying of leukemia. And he was told that without a blood transfusion, she would die. His parents asked if they could test his blood to see if it was compatible with, his, with hers. And he said, sure. So they tested it. Perfect match. Then they asked if he would give his sister a pint of his own blood. It would be the only chance that she had to live. He said, I'll think about it overnight. The next day, he told his parents he was willing to donate the blood. They took him to the hospital. He was put on a gurney uh, beside his six-year-old sister, and both were hooked up to IVs. And a nurse took a pint of blood from the boy, which was given to his sister. The boy lay in silence. The blood that would save his sister dripping from the IV until the doctor finally came over and asked him how he, how he was doing. The boy opened his eyes and asked, how soon till I start to die? Love is never so fully love as when it gives. And this is how we know what love is. Christ died for us. And Christ calls us to take this love that we have received in such abundance and give it to others. Love one another as I have loved you. And our capacity to grow loves grows. Our capacity to love grows as we experience this love. Now let me close with this. You know, like any other gift, we have to receive these gifts. Jesus came to give you this gift, but we must unwrap it, we must receive it, and let it permeate deep into our hearts. God never forces this gift upon us. It is freely given, and it must be freely received. My hunch is that maybe in this crowd this large, there is no one or someone who has never received this gift. It's simple. Just ask God for it and thank him for it. And don't let another Christmas go by without receiving this greatest gift of all. Let us pray together. God, we thank you for this gift of love, this perfect love that loves us uh, persistently, faithfully, and never stops, unconditionally. God, may this love just go deep into our hearts and change us and help us to have a greater capacity to love. Lord, I pray uh, for anyone here who, who has never received this love, I pray that they would open their hearts sometime during this, this Christmas season and receive this, the greatest of all gifts. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.